Hello and welcome to the Niche Podcast for Friday, January 10th, 2014. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about building apps that run everywhere using open web standards like HTML, CSS, JavaScript, REST, and JSON. This week, we discuss hacking, air quotes, our Hue wireless lights. Please stay tuned. The Niche Podcast is next. Hello. Hello. How's it oh, going? There's, there's, there's a lot of noise going on in the background. I hope it's not too bad. Um, it's going good. You guys freezing your tukus is off? Your tukai? <laughs> <laughs> Our tukai. Uh, actually, uh, with, I think the new roof has, um, has helped. <laughs> mm. We seem to be a little better insulated. So you know, yeah. it's, it's been five below and the, and the furnace is not running constantly. So Wow. Can't say the same here. Yeah, we are. I, I did finally, the dear listener will be happy to know that I finally took the plunge and learned how to program my uh, Nest thermostat, which I was <laughs> railing about last week. It's really not that hard, but you're not supposed to have to program the damn thing. But anywho, so now it's nice and toasty here, but it's because nice. our boiler is running all the time. Ah. One of these years it's just going to pop. Gonna have to find yeah, well, we, we um, our our heat is, it's all electric, mm. so so we will pay for it. Yeah, <laughs> we will pay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now we've got gas. Well, I mean, that's how our house is heated. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking not looking forward to the four hundred dollar electric bill, but whatever. Yeah, see, that's what we get in the summer with the AC. Oh wow. Yeah, we just have these big honking window units that we sprinkle around liberally. <laughs> all right so let's uh think do we have any housekeeping i don't believe so but no i i learned how to do an interesting thing yesterday and there'll probably be a blog post forthcoming about it but other than that i don't i don't have anything cool i think next week uh don't have any big anything's coming up got some travel today and tomorrow but obviously that's not going to affect anything at this point anyway um, cool. So I guess we can dive right into our feature. We've got a fun one this week, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, we've had fun with it. Yeah. So in the true nature of DIY and open source, uh, after bitching extensively last week about how crappy the uh, Hue light application is, um, someone got bit by the bug. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly programmed up a uh, proof of concept, and uh, I chimed in with a little bit of CSS here and there, and we made a, a little control panel for uh, our Hue lights. We did, and I, I like it a lot. It's the only one I use now. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, dear listener, if you have the, um, the Philips lights, you can go to huepanel.com, and uh, it's a little... Uh, HTML, like H CSS, JavaScript app that runs, it's served from, you know, uh, uh, a s server on the internet, a public server, but it operates using Ajax locally on your network so that you can uh, actually, it's like a, it's weird. It's like the app is delivered over the network, the, the WAN, the wide area network, but it operates with your lights on the LAN. It's crazy. 
<laughs> yeah, it is. It's gonna you 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 hosted it like <laughs> I went to it. I was like, Whoa, that's weird. Yeah, it's weird. It does. It's like yeah, the the web server is really just the app delivery mechanism. Yeah, it's just it, a, just a means of downloading the files, getting the files onto your phone. Yes, or, or phone or browser or computer, whatever. Cool. So let's start at the beginning. So we did the episode last week, and mm-hmm. um, I, I I have a vague recollection of implanting the the idea. I don't remember if I did or not, but it was like, geez, couldn't we? <laughs> it's got an API. Why don't we just make a? The next thing yeah. I know, you're like tweeting links to me or, or like IMing links to me <laughs> to a GitHub repo. Yeah, I had. I mean, you know, poking around at the at the Hue API was was something that I had wanted. I it's it's been on my to do list for a while, but um, uh, yeah. So I'd I'd kind of been putting it off because I thought, well, connecting to it and all that's going to be difficult. But it turns out it really wasn't. So <laughs> so then I just yeah I stayed up way too late and and spent way too much time and, and poking around at it and 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 seeing what I could build mm, cool so when the, I first got the lights i there was no API documentation, but there were a few people who must have like sniffed their network traffic or something and figured out that there was a rest API on the base station mm-hmm. uh but now there's like actual documentation on the huge site. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing. Uh, when I first looked at it, there wasn't any documentation on the API, which is kind of why I didn't do anything because I didn't really have time to go exploring that much. Mm. But yeah, now there's there's official documentation now. So, so to refresh the dear listener, the lights uh, you just grow into a regular socket, and there's a base station that comes with them that you uh, physically plug into your router over Ethernet. And whenever you, um, well, when you first plug in the lights, they connect to the base station via Zigbee. And uh, I don't really, I don't think there's, oh, and the the only real setup is that you install the controller application on whatever, on your phone or something. And you go over to the base station and it tells you to push this button on the top of the station. And that that basically proves to the... um, the system that you have access to the lights or you should have access to the lights. Right. Cause you're, cause you're physically there. Yeah. So it does this weird thing, which we were able to take huge advantage of, which is that when you do that, it creates like a, a user account with no password. Like your password is the fact that you push the button. Yeah. So there's no password. There's just this username and the username is arbitrary and irrelevant. Uh, it, it used to used to be a hash, but now it's, it can be whatever. Yeah, and you you just use that username in future calls, and if the uh, and if the username has been let in or set up on the base station, you never have to authenticate again. I.e., press the button. So what's awesome about that is that once you set once you connect via Hue panel to the the router we use the same username for all for everything so you never have to press the button again even if you get a new phone or whatever it doesn't ma- <clears throat> it doesn't matter right and like i can i can build different apps and never have to authenticate again <laughs> right. just plug in the same username like i've got a username set up now that that's just my name yeah and so I can, I can use that for anything i build yeah it's super convenient so uh, and we'll talk about the security implications of that later but uh, 
so okay, so once so first you s basically slap together a HTML file with um, like what are the what are the guts? What's the colophon of the app? You've got uh, HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. You used yeah, uh, not mustache, but mark markup.js. Mark, markup.js. Yeah, I used markup.js, and um, I've got the just like the CSS reset and from and type basic. The basic reset and typography out of out of feathers. That's all. Oh, cool. And um, uh, jQuery and and uh, markup. Yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. And font awesome. Yeah, font awesome. Yeah. So so <clears throat> it's uh, uh, like a four panel application. It's got uh, toolbar, header, footer, toolbar with uh, dashboard, bulb control, favorites. Which I I don't know if you've done anything on yet, but that's not set nope, up yet. They're not done yet. And then there's sort of like a effects tab that does like, just like sort of, it's like the dumping ground for fooling around with the lights. Yeah, like random colors and blinking and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So it runs in any browser, of course. Uh, you just need to make sure that you're on the same wireless network as, you, as your base station is. And uh, it just sends Ajax requests to the base station and like totally controls your lights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, my head's kind of like, all right, I, I don't want to, I'm tempted to just like do wacky stuff that's impractical. <laughs> I know, me too. But yeah. <laughs> I, I do want to, so that there's the one screen where the, there's the controls for the lights and, and that's kind of my main screen. Well, on the dashboard, there's like an all on and an all off button that I'll use uh, not infrequently. But generally I've been going to the bulbs panel. Mm -hmm. And uh, you like, just select all the lights, turn, you know, because you can select them individually, just turn them all on. Uh, I don't mean turn them all on. I mean, like, select all the controls so that they're all going to get edited at the same time. Yeah. And uh, we've got three big sliders for hue, saturation, and brightness, or lightness, or luminosity. It depends on who you ask. Yeah, the, the API calls it brightness. Yeah, that makes sense. So you can just slide them around and the, uh, you know, the lights change in real time. I think at a second, a hundred, or is it a second resolution? Like, every um, the, as far as the timers on those are like 300 milliseconds. So oh yeah. Okay. It does. It feels faster than a second. So, um, so as you're changing the sliders, the lights are updating in pretty close to real time. And, uh, I don't know. It's just like, it's just so awesome. It's like, wow, this is so much better than the regular app. <laughs> um, I definitely need the favorites though, because there's a couple of settings yeah, that I just, I, you don't, it'd be easier to just tap one button than it would be to select all the lights and then futz around with the specifics, but it's way easier to set a color for your room than it is with their actual application. Yeah. Um, so you the, can just slide the thing and, and, and be done with it. <laughs> mm, yeah, absolutely. So I was thinking about it. I'm like, well, this is a, this is a three access thing you know you've got you get these three variables that you can kind of tweak and i'm like well you know don't you know this is this is mobile we don't need these thumb sliders i'm gonna hook up uh or device orientation to this so because that's a three axis mm -hmm. coordinate system as well and it's uh i haven't got it working yet but i've got the proof of concept where you 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 basically say okay select all the lights and then at I haven't, I'm trying to, I, w I don't want it to be a complete just demo where I want it to actually be more useful than the sliders, mm -hmm. but uh, set it up so that 
you know, whichever axis you tilt the phone on X, Y, or Z controls one of the sliders. So as you, once you basically, once you start listening to the orientation, if you tilt the top of your phone toward you, it will make the lights brighter. If you tilt it away from you, it'll make the lights, you know, go off or closer <laughs> to off. If you tilt it to the left or the right, it'll change the color. So be like, yeah. you know, red, green, blue, or whatever. And if you, uh, this is the weird one is that the third axis is really silly kind of phone gesture, which is to rotate around the Z, which yeah, is, that is kind of weird. Yeah. It's, it's the compass heading. So if you put, if you like imagine your phone on the table and you just like are spinning it around on its back, that would be to control like another one of the factors. So in this case, I guess the one that's left is, uh, the saturation, the saturation. Yeah. And it's a really, it's a really unnatural motion to do in your hand. It's really natural if you're walking around or turning your, your body around. So, <laughs> but right. I'm imagining myself in the basement, like tilting the phone around to, to control two of the angles and then turning around like on my feet, like spinning around in a circle to set the, <laughs> set the brightness. That <laughs> doesn't seem very... casting a spell over there. <laughs> exactly. So... So I'm, you know, I'm like, all right, well, what others, I need three, three motions. So like what else? Shake, shake, shake. Yeah, exactly. Like you could, you could, sh but there's no up and down. Like if you no. shake is like, so like if you, there's altitude, like I could do, I could do, um, I kind of like this. Like if you, if you've got the phone in your hand and you raise your arm up, the accelerometer not the gyroscope, but the accelerometer mm -hmm. knows that you're moving your hand up. And that would be really, I think, a really natural motion for increasing the bright, you know, the the third yeah. setting, the the the, the brightness and lightness or the yeah, yeah, HSB. Sorry, God, brightness. Right. So it's like just makes them more intense, not doesn't change the color. It just th throws more power through there. So and then down to uh, to remove it. But but there's like. You need to have an on off there though. So you'd, you'd almost like put your finger on the screen and raise your arm up to, to make them take go your finger off the screen, take your finger off the screen and go down. So thinking what I'll do is have the, the sort of, uh, orientation on the, on the X and Y axis mm -hmm. to control whatever makes the most sense. I'll play around with it and see which ones feel right. So that'll control two, but then almost definitely the up and down, uh, will be for the, you know, the brightness. Yeah. yeah. The mood lighting part. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like the, um, uh, the X axis makes the most sense to me for the hue. I agree. Well, X axis means tilting. So if, if you rotate around the X axis or do you mean rotating around the oh, Y axis? Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Rotating around the Y axis right. makes most, the most sense for adjusting the hue. I think. Yeah, I agree. I feel like if you tilt the phone, to the left, you tilt the left side of the phone down, you tilt the right the side. So it gets cooler. Down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're both. So if you think about it, it's almost like you tilt the phone and you'd see the, the slider, the thumb slider just slide over. Like, yeah. that's not how I would set it up, but mentally. Yeah. And then if you imagine the, uh, the, uh, saturation on the vertical instead of on the horizontal. So the, the range control, which you can set by the way, you can set uh, range controls to display vertically instead of horizontally. Oh yeah. Um, that would be the sort of up and down. So that would tilt the, the top toward you or away from you. And that would, so I'm pretty excited to do that. And I think it, uh, it's in keeping with the, 
mobile first nature of the world these days to actually use the uh, the sent the uh, the sensors in the phone to hopefully make I think this will make things more actually more intuitive than the sliders you know make them more fun yeah and you can set them all at once you know yeah. instead of instead of like um, you know, doing the different sliders individually, you can't really, it's not like multi-touch. You can't do them all at once. And even if you could, it would be a really awkward motion. Yeah. To try and get three fingers going in potentially different yeah, directions. So I feel like this is a little bit more natural and it's a little bit more, um, and the, you know, when you're trying to set the lights, it's, it is a pretty subtle thing. You kind of want to, it, it's really the interplay of the three settings really affects, uh, the whole experience. So, so yeah, it's it's a it's been a really fun project to work on. Um, I think Richard's Richard's kind of jealous that I'm seriously <laughs> out geeking him at the moment. But it's pretty geeky. It is. But the thing that I'm digging about it, the thing that I really love about it, especially this sort of gyroscope slash accelerometer integration, mm -hmm. is that if I do that, then Cooper and Erica will be able to use it. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, like the existing application, it's too complicated. Mm -hmm. I mean, unless they're picking a preset, but if, if like somebody wants to mess around with the lights, it's like, well, how do I do that? And, uh, you know, so I, I just think that this is a better, it's more intuitive. You just like wave your phone around and until you like the way the lights are. Yeah. Yeah. So the Hue app, I don't know if it still does or not, but at one point it had, it had this sort of random, you could like shake the phone and get a random. Yeah. It still does that, thing, but, but you, know. you know, that's, that's not really useful. It's kind of fun to play with for a minute, but. It doesn't actually, you know, do anything that you would actually want to do. <laughs> yeah, it's tedious if you're actually trying to, to yeah. do something. It's, oh, and yeah, you're actually trying to do something, and then like you bump the phone, and and all your, <laughs> yeah. I do want to add in like uh, the accelerometer, like shake to flash the lights. <laughs> yeah, that's just dumb, but I want to do it anyway. Yeah. Uh, so the so. The other thing that I think is funny, and this is just more of an experiment, is that you can use the, um, I got the, the, the new uh, Sphero arrived, like right after we recorded last week's episode. Mm -hmm. And you can use that as a three-axis input mechanism. So, oh, really? Yeah. So you can like, you know, this would be, maybe you could make a game out of it, but you could, like rolling the ball around physically with your hand not by the application mm -hmm. could change the light so you could like uh, you could i don't know if you, i don't know if you could think of a game or it's probably kind of dumb but it's interesting me for me to imagine using the the sphero as an input to control my lights because i can the sphero sits on my desk in this little charging station you could just come down mm -hmm. pick up the ball rotate it around and put it back in it would be such a cool light switch <laughs> i like that a lot yeah just it, get the ball give it to the cat <laughs> Yeah, it'd be great. Like people, no one would need to, you wouldn't need to have, like we talked about putting like an old iPad or an old iPhone on the wall to control the lights and, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, you know, an iPod's roughly phone switch size. It's not the worst idea in the world. You could wire it right into the, um, like we have USB outlets on our walls. Yeah. So you could plug it right in and it would. Oh, I'm so jealous. Yeah. It's pretty, well, it's easy to, easy yeah, to do. Sure it is. They're cheap. But I uh, just plug it right in, put the iPod right on top of it, and uh, you're off to the races. Just leave it on all the time. Don't let the screen go to sleep and, and just have the app running and whoever comes downstairs can just change the lights. But it would be so much cooler if it was this ball. 
<laughs> yeah, that would be really cool. And the ball shine, you know, obviously the ball has uh, LED inside of it too, so you could have the ball LED match the the light LED of the lights, and you could even have the ball upstairs and move the ball around to change the LED color in the ball and, N- and know what color your lights were downstairs. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah. So the the bummer of that is I'm pretty sure I'd have to write a native app for Sphero, and I think the native app would have to be running on a phone for it to to do anything. Ah. I don't think Sphero itself would be able to send Ajax requests. To the to Sphero itself couldn't communicate to the API. You'd have to have a third. Yeah, and probably have to send the data, middle. data yeah. back to a native app, and then so that kind of kills the whole thing. But yeah. But I will. I will see. I, I think. I'm trying to think. It has Bluetooth. Yeah, that's probably what you'd have to do, which is super lame. It's the the idea of devices controlling other devices, though. It's 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 cool. Mm. Yeah, mashing up hardware. Yeah, hardware <laughs> mashups. <laughs> cool. Um, excellent. I wonder if there's a Sphero if channel. I doubt it. That would be there radical. I didn't see one last time I looked at them. Mm. But it would be cool if they added one. It would be cool. I'm not sure how it... Again, it's like it's kind of tethered to the phone. I'm not sure if there'd be any way for that yeah. to really work. But uh, that would be so cool. Well, I wonder if you could... I wonder if you could do something with pushover then. I guess not. Mm. No. Wait, say that yeah. again. So if you um, did... Like if you if you send a push notification to your phone, I guess then you'd have to have a native app on the phone that did something with that. Still. Yeah, but I do. So there's there's a uh, there's an application called uh, Tasker, and there's another one called Automate It, and there's a couple of other ones, mm. but those are the two I've used. And it's Android only, but man, are they cool! Um, like you can, it's exactly like uh, Ift, but it's on, but for an Android phone. So right. all these events can happen on your phone. And when they happen, you can have your phone do all these things automatically. So, like, one of the things um, I've, I have done is uh, if I am connected to my home wireless network, I turn off my lock screen mm. on the phone so yeah. I never never have to unlock my phone when I'm home. I would, I would love to be able to do that on my, on my iPhone. <laughs> yeah, it's so awesome. Uh, so that, and I know that if, like, my, if I leave my phone in a cab like I did last month, then it doesn't, you know, it'll be locked. But if uh, right. if it's at home, I never have to worry about unlocking it, which is seems like a awesome. small thing. But but if you're, yeah, as, especially when you're doing development, I end up unlocking my phone like a thousand times a day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and there's a ton of things you can set. Like, so and one of the things is you can respond to SMS messages. So if you get an SMS mm. message um, that has particular content, you can have it do one of the triggers. So the SMS comes in, and it if it said something like, you know, if it had like a, a payload, a data payload of like hue, saturation, and brightness settings, you could have the phone do something, um, you know, like launch an app and, you know, Sphero does allow third-party development. So you could theoretically control Sphero via not push notifications, but SMS. Through that. Yeah. yeah. Man, talk about... <laughs> <laughs> Talk about duct tape and bailing wire, but that's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's like to be able to make that connection. I will. I will definitely not spend any time doing that. But it's <laughs> fun to that's imagine. It's a rainy day project. If I ever yes, heard of one. Yes. Yes. So, dear listener, if you are so inclined and have all of this equipment, <laughs> I think there's a business here. 
I wonder how many people in the world own both a Sphero and Hue light bulbs. At least one. <laughs> At least one. <laughs> There's this crazy guy in Rhode Island. Yeah, exactly. They and uh, yesterday they came out with a new Sphero. It's more of a uh, a, a cylindrical one that's kind of got tank wheels. It's like a, huh. a, a looks roughly the proportions of a. You remember Quaker Oats? Yeah. They came in that sort of big toilet paper tube cardboard container. Yeah, I've got one in my cabinet. Nice. They still do them. Yeah. Nice. With that, like, like the skipper Canister. from Gilligan's Island yeah. on the front, dressed up like Sam yeah. Adams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So the new one looks like kind of like that. It's probably not quite that big, but then it's got the the two ends are like these just have treads and they, you know, they just spin independently, like uh, kind of like tank motion where you can have them go in opposite directions or in the same direction. Mm-hmm. And um, that's not really a sphere then. No, I know they call it, <laughs> they call it totally. It's like, they're like totally tubular. It's called Sphero 2B. And uh, I'm like, God, I'm going to go broke. <laughs> the thing looks so super cool. So awesome. Uh, it's even faster, does different stuff. Cool. Um, it's probably a little more practical uh, mm-hmm. in terms of all terrain, but uh, we shall yeah, I'm see. Gonna, I'm going to have to get me one of these. Mm, they are oh. very cool. Yeah, yeah. Let's oh, let's talk about the the other the hue alternative that that Erica found. Yes, good point. Um, I th- what are they? They're called connected, right? Yeah, and I need to look up that link again because I'm going to buy some because I want to get them for the living room. And, and, yeah, and I mean the I the I think the link she sent was um, it's not a Home Depot product, but it looked like you could buy them at Home Depot yeah, for could, like fifty bucks. Yeah. So do you remember the pricing? They were significantly cheaper than uh, than hue bulbs. Uh, there was a base station with two lights for 50 and there was a base station with three lights and a remote control for 109 and then the bulbs were like 16.95 a piece. Yeah, I mean that is like a fraction of the cost. Yeah. Yeah, and they look like they pretty much do everything Hue does except they don't have the if integration and they're they're, they're white only. They don't do color. Right, they don't do color. But for me, for the price, I will certainly be putting those in other places where I mean it'd be nice to have color like in certain places in the house, but there are, I mean, we have lamps everywhere. Right. And you don't need, yeah. You yeah. don't need color in the laundry room. No, no, you really don't. You, you don't want to really set the mood in there. Yeah, no. In our our light switch for our laundry room is right by the back door, which means you have to stumble through the entire laundry room in the dark to get to it. <laughs> <laughs> Good move. Yeah. And, and of course, that's where all the brooms and the dog food and all that is stored. So Nice. <laughs> Fight your way through in the dark to get to the light switch in the first place. So, you, did you do that on purpose? Because you're, yeah, I imagine it's not a problem for you as much as it is for the other people. Uh, <laughs> you get around pretty good without being able to see. Yeah, so. I, I don't. I don't need. I don't need to see. <laughs> I can navigate my whole house, like without looking. So yeah, use the force, Luke. Yeah. Yeah, it's like our dog George. He can't. He's like literally blind, so it doesn't matter if the lights are on or off. He gets around yeah. just the same. Which is badly, but <laughs> <laughs> no, we arranged the furniture on him. At least it's consistent. I know we totally, <laughs> we totally had the house under construction. Like it, it, for a while, he was just like, uh, just smashing into everything. Okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he's got a blockhead. It's okay. <laughs> but yeah, these these other lights. I mean, it would be nice to have color, but for the price difference. Hmm. 
there's there's rooms where I can live without color. <laughs> yeah. So so the very very exciting thing about this to me is that there's got to be a way either either if they don't have a a proper API, there's got to be a way to sniff your network traffic and spoof the traffic from using Ajax from the the Hue control panel so that you could use um, a single interface to control all the lights. Even though they're two completely different brands. Exactly. So I almost want to get them just to make, just to like prove that you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> to prove the, the hypothesis. Yeah. I, I want to get them because we've, we've covered all of our light switches with furniture. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm tired of, you know, you know, all those board games. Yes. We have to store them somewhere. Ah, uh, so they have, you have bookcases in front of. Yeah, and we have to like reach behind the bookcase to turn on the light in the dining room. Yeah, it's fun when guests come over. Like, yeah. how do I? Yeah, you know, it was it was funny the 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 very first like right after we put the bookshelf there, and, and a couple of days, I guess like a day had gone by, and I hadn't actually turned the light switch on because you know somebody else had been in there and done it, or it was bright enough that we didn't need the light, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I walked out there one evening and. Richard was gone, and Kira was up the road at her friends, and I was going to turn the light, and I had to stop, and I'm like, like this light switch that had been there for 12 years was suddenly covered, and I was just like, what do I do? I couldn't remember how to turn on the light. <laughs> so my first instinct was like, I'll get my phone and use it. No, wait. Yeah. Isn't that weird? It doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've like had the impulse to Google my basement. Like, what? Yeah, it's weird. Like a, our basement's a complete mess. Oh, after looking the, for things. Yeah, like I'm looking for a thing, and I just have this this like subcon yeah. like almost subconscious search reaction, and like when I'm searching for something, I think Google. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, it's like pull out your phone, just Google it. Google that. Yeah, I, extension I have, cord. <laughs> I have had times where I, like, either by, I'd be writing or I'd, I'd be doing something, like, actually physically doing something, and I would, like, mess it up, and I'd, in my head I'd go, oh, Command-Z, Command-Z. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's I same thing, same thing. It's it's Command-Z, but for search. So yeah. exactly the same thing. I, want, I have this big bookshelf that has, like, a bunch of, of sort of legacy books on it. <laughs> I'm going to start calling them legacy <laughs> books. And there's probably a hundred of them, and I was, and they're relatively thin. They're not a lot of big books. It's a lot of O'Reilly mm-hmm. books and that kind of thing. And uh, I was like, I wish I could just take a picture of this shelf and then search the picture for keywords <laughs> that I'm looking for. And I, I actually think Evernote does this, but uh, I don't know. Anyway, tangent. So, but gee, if only someone would develop some sort of catalog system. <laughs> for these for these printed books well what would that that one tell know, me where they could, are we could store them on these little cards <laughs> <laughs> interesting that would require organization and forethought and yeah so, discipline. some form of some form of decimal system <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's not happening oh man okay so um let's talk quickly about security Dun, dun, dun. My favorite topic. So, um, yeah, you forwarded a link to me of some of a security re- researcher who 
the big headline hacked. Phillips Hue light bulbs hacked. Houses plunged into darkness. <laughs> this was like total blackout. Total blackout. blackout. Oh my god. Total blackout possible. I was like so infuriated by this. It was completely yeah. asinine. And yeah. it, it touched a nerve with me because of the Jonathan's card thing. And, and like some guy published a, a blog post, how he air quotes hacked Jonathan's card, which he yeah. totally did not do. He no, just, he, don't, he, he didn't do at all. No, he just kept, kept hitting refresh in his browser and sitting in a Starbucks mm -hmm. and, and like going up and charging his own card. He's just such a, he was, he was a, just being an ass. Yeah, <laughs> he was just being an ass. He was like using the system in a lame ass way. He yeah, didn't hack he anything. Didn't, he didn't hack anything. It was the way it was designed to be used. He was just like being a jerk. <laughs> yeah. And so like a yeah. major blog whose name I shall never utter posted a headline that this dude hacked Jonathan's card. And then that sent the whole thing spiraling into the ground because yeah, Starbucks, because was Starbucks like, saw the word hack and they were afraid people would think that their system was insecure. Yeah, and there was going to be a security audit. And, you know, and I was like, yada. yeah, I even called the reporter and I was like, um, you need to change that title. That is not what we talked about. Yeah. And she was like, well, you know, they hacked it in the sort of the life hacker sense. And I'm like, yeah, that's not cool. That's not what you're saying. This is software we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to leave it. So that was the end of that. Mm. So, um, yes. So they can, they can never have my traffic again. That'll show them. So anyway, the point being that I get this stuff drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. And there was, there's, um, well, there was a, a similar thing recently with the, the Google. If you type your master password into, uh, Chrome, Google will show you your passwords in plain text. Someone could see that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but you have to type in your master password. For yeah. Your passphrase. It's crazy. It's like, if you type it in on the computer, that's, in your possession and then leave it that there you're right there next yeah so this so this dude i can you paraphrase like his his disgust his revelation his, his his big discovery yeah is that someone could hack your lights by um like you using a weak password on the hue website <laughs> <laughs> wow i wonder how long it took him to research that yeah, I don't know. Coming up next, your you bank password. Online bank account. Online banking hacked. If they guess your password, you're screwed. <laughs> uh, yeah, there were there were a couple. Seems like there were a couple of other methods he came up with there as well. I was like, oh, well, if they're on your local network. Yeah, if they, they compromise could, yeah. your machine. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's they right. Compromise that's your right. Phone. Yeah, they could they could use malware. You could use malware to send messages to your to your lights from your computer. It's like, well, that's not hacking the lights. That's yeah, it's like no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> yeah. They hacked your computer. They didn't hack the lights. Yeah. And you know what? You know what I'm going to start doing from now on? Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to, I'm just going to be a hacker and I'm going to make a fortune by spending all my time trying to get malware onto people's machines so I can turn off their lights in their basement. I know because that's gonna that's gonna cause so much chaos and havoc in the world. Because that's a reasonable way to use it. It's like use of time. 
That seems yeah, like a real if, profitable thing to do. If you're writing malware to turn off lights, <laughs> you need to reconsider your priorities in life. Yeah. I mean, it was just so ridiculous that anybody published this steaming pile. It was so, it just yeah. makes me so mad. It's like, well, there could be a sustained blackout by continually sending. It's like, no, there's not. It's like, one, that's stupid. <laughs> Two, if someone does it, you just unplug the base station and flip the light switch off and back on again. It's just so dumb. So I was like, and so it, and to, to Phillip's credit, they took, the guy because they were like well yeah, they, no they one's took gonna him seriously yeah they had to because no one's gonna no one's gonna read the article anyway they're just gonna see the headline and they're whatever and they're just gonna be oh, all those, oh my god oh, those lights are insecure yeah and so it's and I, I i was like racking my brains after we were just like going back just like bashing ragging, yeah forever. bashing on the guy and uh i was like could there you know maybe maybe if there was like a huge facility that had nothing but hue light bulbs, like a sports arena or a hospital. Then like maybe, but like you could just hack the electrical grid. Like there's so many, yeah, there's so many like easier ways to do something that probably not even worth doing anyway. I don't know. It was like, guy's a clown. <laughs> I hope his security researcher friends are all talking about him behind his back. I, I hope so. Yeah. But yeah, Phillips was like, well, that's not really hacking the Hue light. That's having an insecure network and the light's just doing what they're told to do. <laughs> <laughs> what you're describing is the light's working properly. <laughs> yeah. <that's laughs> God, it makes me we so can't mad. help it if your home network is insecure because you're an idiot. <laughs> right. Or, or you use a, a weak password. Yeah. And the, per, the, the author of the article, which is not, it was an article about the, the expose. The guys. Yeah. And he compared it to like implanted medical devices or cars, like someone hacking your car or or your your cochlear implant. I was like, come on, yeah. And the and the like the collateral damage is like potentially so radically. Like you could imagine someone who wanted to target a particular person, like trying to mess with their car. Okay, mm -hmm. fine, maybe because that because that would be the easiest way to do it. Come on, yeah. But. But your lights? I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's like, oh, I was inconvenienced for twelve seconds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I was really, I was trying to think of any way. Maybe Phillips would be like, maybe a competitor. Maybe these connect people would try and get malware on people's computers to mess with <laughs> their hue lights so that people thought that they were buggy or something. These lights are only shutting off. Like, why are they blinking all the time? Yeah, they, yeah. They won't I, stop flickering. Yeah, I just... Anyway. Yeah. So, I am not going to link to that in the show notes because it's too dumb. <laughs> it's too stupid. <laughs> A line has been drawn. Yes. So, anyway. So, this is was was and continues to be a super fun little side project that, uh, that if, again, if you do have Hue light bulbs, you can securely... Yes. Access them yeah. on your yes. local Hue network. Qpanel.com is not accessing your lights. Correct. It is an application delivered from there that that does its magic via Ajax on your local network using 192.168 IP addresses. Yep. Or 10.10 10 or whatever. Or whatever they are. Yeah. yeah. And you and after only after you physically push the button. <laughs> yes. Exactly. And the, so this is this is the one piece of magic that people might be scratching their heads over. 
the the way there there's a way that HuePanel can discover or anything on your network can discover the IP address of your base station, which is super weird, and I don't understand. Yeah, I, I don't understand how. It, well, I guess I mean I guess I kind of understand how it works. I don't. I can I can make I've got some guesses, but well, how, so let's describe what it is first, and you can guess. Yeah, it's uh, basically it's a it's a website address that you go to, and if there is a Hue base station on your local network, it'll then give you the the IP or IP addresses if there are multiple ones in mm-hmm. in an AJAX response. Right. So, so or not AJAX, JSON. JSON, right? So you you ping meethue.com slash API slash some weird set of letters, which I don't understand. It's like N-U-P-N-P. And uh, it will tell you the IP address of, well, you just you just explained that. I don't need to say it again. Yeah, <laughs> the IP address on your LAN. Yeah, it shows you the internal IP. So how do you how do you think it knows that? Um, I think when you go to there, it's... Oh... Yeah, how does it know who originated the request? Oh, yeah. Like, the headers don't have your MAC address or anything, do they? No. Like, how does it How does it get your... Yeah, I have no idea how it knows who you are. But if you... How, if... how do it do that? Yeah, so <laughs> that's the one piece of magic. So we, yeah. we can point the AJAX request at the appropriate IP address on your LAN because somehow... Hugh knows it or Phillips knows it at meethugh.com. So I'm, so here are my, I've got a couple of ideas. Okay. One is that it's not actually going to uh, meethugh.com and that somehow it's, it's the base station spoofs the DNS for that address. Is that possible for a device on the network to essentially intercept a particular URL? I feel like it probably is, but I don't know that it, that, that would be weird. Um, I just, I just had another thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume that this Hue base station uh, connects to like talks to talks to like meethue.com. Yes. We we know that they communicate back and forth because you can go to the website and control your lights. Yes, I feel like every time the base station detects a a um, an IP change, like an IP address change on your like wide area network, then it says goes to you know says oh hey uh, meet you my uh, my new public IP ad- or the new public IP address for the network is this. Yeah, and so then when you go to the site. You know, it just looks it up by IP address. I th- I've thought that I, that is another one of my guesses, which is kind of like it's kind of like a Dyn DNS application that's yeah. pinging pinging Hue and saying, "Hey, my public IP is whatever." But that seems that has always worked for me in the past. But my understanding is that if you don't have a dedicated IP, then no, I guess that I guess you're, I guess you need to always have does your network always have to have a a public ip i guess it does because the 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 whether or not it changes is one thing but it has to have one right like the 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 uh the cable company or whoever your isp is needs to give you your 
needs to give you an IP address. That must be it. You know, because like a lot of times when you go to, if you look at your like analytics or something, mm-hmm. you, uh, do you get the IP address? I guess what I'm thinking, of, yeah, I mean, sometimes you get this IP address and it's just like, you don't know where it is. It's just a block. But I guess that's because those, it's not that, it's not that everybody behind that, in that block of like Comcast IP addresses, um, it's not that they don't have specific IP addresses, it's that you just don't necessarily know where they are geographically. Yeah, yeah that's got it's got to be that. I think that must be that. You're right. So if you because when I send a request, the originating IP address yeah, is that in the headers though? Yeah, yeah. Is it okay? Yeah. Yeah, it must be because it needs to know where to send it back, right? Yeah. I don't know. It's this is a little bit beyond my understanding of networking and like yeah, HTTP, that, but that that must that must be how it works. Yeah. Because the the thing that I'm so the thing that I'm I'm like what if yeah because you can't have you couldn't have multiple house, like me and my neighbors can't have the same IP address it just it can't there'd be a like some kind of there'd be like an error right like when you have two devices on the network if you're trying to sign the same IP to one one of them freaks out well you can you can have you know multiple devices have the same the same public IP. Because they're behind um, the router, yeah, but right. It's like namespaced in a way. Anyway, that that must be it. That must be it. Because it feels everything about the um, everything about the design of the API and the devices seems really pragmatic, and Mm -hmm. it's like refreshingly not fancy. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's not overwrought or like overengineered. It's just like the basic stuff, no frills. And actually, if you um. My, that's another thing worth mentioning. For those who are who are more more hacky than I am, um, once you discover that IP address uh, of your on your local network of, for your Hue base station, if you just navigate to that in your browser, you get links to all of the open source software that Hue was built on. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, there's a a, a TCP/IP stack. Called uh, looks like IWIP and then a uh, like the the microcontroller software. Cool. There's also a URL which I'll try and remember that allows you. Uh, here it is. Um, if you go to the IP address and then go slash debug slash clip.html, there there is a debugging tool that you can uh, send requests to directly. That's cool. I don't know where I saw that. I think it was in the documentation. Imagine that. Imagine that. Yeah. So uh, these it's just super fun. I'm so glad that they, they left them open and didn't try and obfuscate this and be ridiculous like that. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the Zigbee protocol, is, of course, is licensed. But as yeah. far as being able to communicate with the lights themselves, I'm just, I love the fact that it's open. And I mean, like this... This little app that we built, it's mm-hmm. fun and it's cool and it controls your lights. But when you get down to the technology involved in building it, it's really nothing special. Yeah. Like, it's it's super easy to do. Yeah. and <laughs> But still, there's just something about the fact of controlling your lights with the app that you wrote that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's like taking control of your environment. Yeah. Yeah, it, give, it gives you a sense of control. And I was... It was actually... <laughs> 
um, like mentally, it was it was more more of a shock than I was anticipating the first time I did it because it was like, wow, I have power over these now in a way that's that's more than just pushing a button on some software that someone else wrote. Yeah, exactly. It's like this is not some package delivered to me that I am uh, obligated to use in a particular way. You can do whatever the heck you want. Yeah. So I I just think that is so cool. So people, you know, we were raving about them last week, the actual, in spite of all the crappiness of the applications, which by the way, I did finally get the, the new app update. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. It's, it's like a very iOS 70 now. I don't, yeah. It looks a little better. I don't know if I like it any more or less. It's, yeah. But uh, as soon as we have favorites in, uh, in Hue panel, it's going to be what I'm using exclusively. <laughs> Yeah. So very cool. And you can see, and it's a, if, if you are on iOS, you can save it to your home screen and it launches as a home screen app. So you can, um, you know, you yeah, don't have do to, we have, do we have any kind of manifest while in there yet? I was thinking about doing that, but you have to be online for it to work. Well, you guys don't, you have to be connected to your wireless for it to yeah, work. Yeah. You, you have to be online for it to, to work initially. But. Yeah. But then you'd get the download. I was thinking about doing that. So it would just be totally standalone. You wouldn't have to see the thing is that that would be the only time that would matter was is, is if your router was not connected to the internet. So I was like, yeah, eh, well, like why? No, this means my power is going to be out. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. So. Yeah. And it makes, it makes debugging and developing a real pain in the. Yeah. Took does, us. Does, so. Speaking of took us's or took, took <laughs> I. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm playing with the sliders now. I, I'm really, I have a train. I have to get, jump on the train and go to Boston. I'm going to see if in the 45 minute train ride, I can get the uh, accelerometer stuff set up. Nice. Yeah. I have a, have a meeting in a few minutes. So fun, fun, fun. So is that his favorites? The next thing you're going to do? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'll probably work on it over the weekend. Oh, that's what we were talking about. So, so dear listener, if you care about this at all, um, we were, Considering so the problem with favorites is that we were originally talking about saving them in local storage right on the phone but the uh, Crappy part about that is that if you do have multiple devices like everyone does these days, then they're not shared across the devices so I Wonder so I wonder you know what? We could probably set up a sync mechanism that saves the there's got to be some Identifying feature of either the base station there's got to be some kind of mac address or something that we could pull from the api that we could store with those settings and just sync them and not yeah even... there's a there's there's a mac address but you know, can we get gonna, it is that, is that gonna be unique yeah yeah you can get the mac address out of the api yeah uh i think those are unique aren't they i don't know are our Mac addresses greedy? <laughs> I think they are. I'm pretty sure they are. I mean, maybe not for sure, for sure, but I don't know. We have to look into that because it, so what we're talking about is like, well, if you wanted to sync, then you probably have to create a password, username, and password on Hue Panel, and it's like, man, eh, that's kind of a pain in the butt. But I guess it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But then that would mean there would be a login. So like, if your if your different devices, okay, fine, you you can 
sync your preferences across all your devices, but that means that, you know, if the cookie expires, then you get logged out. But that seems like a real pain. Yeah, but if we if we could find and it's not like sensitive information, it's just like yeah, your I settings. Mean, I mean, what happens if someone accidentally, or if someone does hack or accidentally get your your information? What they're going to have your light recipes? Yeah, so they can use your light recipe. So? I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, honestly, it's almost like the only thing you really need to do is namespace them, so you're not seeing everyone's in your favorites. Yeah, maybe you know, maybe, maybe we should do it with MAC addresses. Just like, yeah. We don't even actually duh. What are we thinking? We could just create a GUID, stick it in local storage. It's oh no, because they need it on all the other devices. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Well let's let's try MAC address and just like yeah. send it to the server. Yeah. Yeah. No, the the initial the initial call that you make to um to Hue to get the internal IP address for the for the um bridge, Hue bridge in the first place, mm-hmm. uh, comes back with the MAC address. Oh, sweet. All right, cool. So yeah, I'll set up a little something something on the server to uh, store that, so that you'll just be an API call. You just be like, boom, favorites. Nice. The other the other thing I want in there is, um, if it can't. Well, I I don't want to say if it can't because um, but I want to I want like a button or something to say like oh you know because like my router reset the other night so my hue. Like, so my bridge got a, a, a new internal IP, and I had to go into local storage and manually delete the old one. Oh, yes. Um, well, all right. So we can handle all that in the Ajax errors, yeah. though. Just in the error, just say, hey, yeah. redo the... Redo the thing. Yeah, we don't even need to expose that. The only th- the, So the funny thing is, it was, it was like, what if I go to your house? Like, I'll automatically... That, that would allow me to automatically control your lights, which is good, because you're there. Right. So, like, that's so cool. It, like, yeah, I mean, you could be at my house and just pull out your phone and control my lights. Yeah, that's awesome. Because we're both, we're both using the Hue Panel app, and they both use the same username. Yeah, we can have a light fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you wanted to make that more secure, then you could take the Hue username and, like, append a hash of the MAC address to it. Yeah, I mean, all this stuff, I don't, it's not a private repo, right? I mean, like yeah. anybody could download this and like hack it and set it up on their own server. Yeah. You didn't have to use ours. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think it's super, this is so, that is so cool. Yeah, we should definitely set it up so that it, it the IP address, if it can't find it, then it just repings the Hue yeah. server. Yeah, because I think of, our, our connection has been weird the past few days with all the ice, and I think I've had to do that two or three times now. Mm. Yeah, I had to re- reboot mine the other day, too, because of my machine got booted off the network. Yeah. Uh, yeah, cool. So, geez. I'm trying to think, was there any fun? I don't think there were any... I didn't have to do any crazy debugging shenanigans because you just... It, like, when you're in testing, when you're running on your local machine, you just... You're obviously you have to be on the same network. You just go to yeah. your machine's IP address on your phone. It's super easy. So if people wanted, to, if you have a few light bulbs and you want to download the source code, you can certainly do that from GitHub, and we'll link to that in the show notes. Uh, or you can just go to HuePanel.com and make suggestions about either. Well, heck, fork it, send pull requests. Yep. Pretty sweet. Forcing forcing you to write CoffeeScript. 
Oh, right. That's a the rant. other big just news. a rant for another day. <laughs> it's an, uh, the other big news. Yeah, we can, we're, we're almost at an hour at this point. But yeah. the uh, but I did. So I, I've, I actually, we should set the record straight, or I should set the record straight, because I've, I have bitched about CodeKit in the past. Uh, when we were talking about Entertainment Weekly, I was like, CodeKit's so slow. I don't know how anybody uses this thing. Like, And I'm doing, I don't have these problems. Yeah, I, I figured it must have been. So I, what I thought it was, was that the, and this might have been the original cause, but the uh, Entertainment Weekly code base is ginormous. Mm -hmm. the, the SAS files are huge. Yes, and but I have used them with CodeKit without issue. Yeah, so, so I, I don't know how it happened, but... Um, it got so bad that the last the last couple of days, so like I wanted to to sort of hack this and contribute to the code, send pull requests, and you kind of have to do it in the uh, in the in the SAS or the CoffeeScript, which I I couldn't get it working, so I did some I don't know CoffeeScript, so I wrote some JavaScript that you had to translate, but um, the SAS I understand, so I was like, all right, fine, I'll just launch CodeKit, change the SAS, and like literally, my machine would lock up for five minutes. No, no mouse cursor, nothing, just spinning That's beach crazy. ball of death. And so, I, so it would clear after five minutes, and then I, you know, launched Terminal, fired up Top, and sure enough, like CodeKit was pegging my CPU like over a hundred percent. That's so weird. Yeah, so uh, I emailed the um, the dude Brian that uh, makes CodeKit, and he got back to me within the hour, and he said, it sounds like your data file is corrupted. Relaunch the app with the shift key held down, and that should clear it. And uh, two seconds later, it was working fine. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's a nice tip. Yeah, yeah. So good tip. If CodeKit is, um, is wetting itself on your machine, try launching it with the shift key held down. And uh, that, so that, and that, basically solved my problem i just added the sas files automatically updates push bing bang boom done nice uh yeah but i am taking a i'm taking a, a closer look at yeoman though because i just i just really don't like having that extra window open um, yeah i keep mine like minimized into like the taskbar yeah yeah so i i'll, I'll it is so can... easy you just launch it and forget about it but yeah. uh i am gonna i am gonna start i'm really gonna take a serious look at yeoman which is just basically a, a wrapper for a bunch of other kind of futuristic mm -hmm. uh, modern web development workflow tools. Yeah, Grunt is another one I've been interested in looking into. Yeah, Yeoman uses Grunt. It uses a bunch of, it uses uh, Bower, uses a whole bunch of things. It's like a level above Grunt. Oh, okay. Uh, it's it's mostly about scaffolding. So you, you install Yeoman. It has a couple of commands like uh, Yeoman server. You can do like a live reload type server. Um, and it has just has a whole bunch of things like you go yeoman in it and then you, you go through and it's like do you want to include bootstrap no do you want to include uh html5 boilerplate yes do you want to, you just answer yeah. these questions and it creates a directory of all the stuff you need are you going to use jquery yes are you going to use jquery ui yes or no or whatever creates all the stuff creates a grunt file for you uh, installs all the dependencies does all this really cool stuff way more you know it's 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 does way more than CodeKit, but it also uh, does what CodeKit does in terms of watching SAS directories and right. um, and that sort of thing. So it's uh, uh, it, it automatically uh, concatenates, minifies everything, it's all that. So, but that's that it does that through Grunt though. Grunt does all that concatenation, yeah. minification. It optimizes your images, does everything automatically. 
So I will be reporting back on that more in the future. But yes, I um, I finally uh, now that CodeKit works, I have no excuse to not start using SAS more. <laughs> um, but I do like the Omen idea because then I could I can work on a remote machine and not just mm-hmm. on my local machine. I do kind of hate mm-hmm. that limitation. Uh, so there's that, and um, yeah, CoffeeScript. I mean, I don't know. You ever you ever drive with without your seatbelt on? That's what CoffeeScript feels like to me. <laughs> I feel like when I drive with my without no seatbelt, I feel like I'm gonna fly out of the window for no reason. <laughs> and that's exactly how CoffeeScript feels to me. Just no, there's just interesting no analogy. There's like nothing there, but. I mean, but you, I mean, you dig it. So yeah, I like it. So I am, I'm, I get it. I understand why I should like it. It outputs like really highly optimized JavaScript. That would be a pain to write. You know, it's like, but it's just like, uh, now I'm debugging two things. It's like that old regular expressions joke. It's like, if you ever have, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I actually haven't ran into that though. You know, you should just like debugging the copy script file and, yeah. But I see what you mean. I see where you're coming from. But yeah, that, that's a that's a rant for another day. I have a, I have a, another phone call to make, and yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Yes, and we've we've gone on long enough. We, we've gone listener. for like an hour. Yeah. Well, we'll um, after I've after I've forced you to use it for a while, you can you can give us some some thoughts on it. <laughs> yeah, we've been wanting to do a tools episode, so I'm thinking yeah. there'll be a whole bunch of you know Git, Yeoman, CodeKit, all this stuff, CoffeeScript, all, all the stuff that we've been using a lot lately. I've been using the Charles Network Proxy a lot lately mm-hmm. um, for testing stuff on iPhone through your computer. There's a, a bunch of cool stuff to talk about, so we're going to have a, a real juicy tools episode coming up soon. Sounds good. All right, so that's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. We hope you join us again next week for the Niche Podcast. Bye. Bye.